Welcome back to Coats in Conversation. I'm your host, Kendra Coates. Got another phenomenal episode today with my guest, Jack Glenn. We dive into a couple different topics, one being mental health. At the beginning, we talk about his journey playing football and why he had to leave the sport of football due to concussions and how it affected his mental well-being. Later on, we talk more about his mental health experiences and how his journey has improved many of the relationships in his life. I think this is an awesome episode for you to listen to. I hope you enjoy it as much as I had with Jack on this episode. Be sure to like and subscribe to Coats in Conversation for more future episodes like this one. Jack Glenn, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you? Man, I can't complain. I'm I'm super excited to have this conversation today. I know um, we talked off air a few weeks ago just about kind of your experiences, and mm-hmm. um, it was it was cool because you know me as a former athlete as well, just being in the world of sports and all of the things that uh, come along with sports. So. Uh, Definitely will be an interesting perspective for our viewers and listeners just to hear about um, your experience. So um, let's get into it. So uh, my first question I have for you, can you take us back to your early days in football and what initially drew you to the sport and what were some of the most cherishable memories during your playing career? Um, So uh, what initially drew me to the sport? So as a young kid, I was a huge, huge, huge fan of Rob Gronkowski. And so, I mean, I would be in the living room and I would be watching highlights with my dad and I would just be like mesmerized by this just giant of a man that could do so many things on the field. Um, And so I I would always want to play football, but my dad would say like he wanted me to wait till middle school. So waited until middle school and I got into middle school and I played sixth grade. Uh, that was my first year, and I, I mean, I got thrown on the O-line, so I wanted to be tied in. I got put on O-line, and I was like, oh, like, come on. But, I mean, I got the opportunity to do that in my first season. I just – I absolutely fell in love with the sport, and, I mean, the camaraderie of a football team. I mean, there there is no other, like, feeling like that. Like, I mean, we are all so close and so goofy, and we can mess around with each other. And like, we all knew that we loved each other and all that. And so that was just, I mean, that was an amazing experience in my life growing up, just playing from sixth grade to 10th grade, just being with my boys. Um, We got really close in that aspect. And I mean, that was probably my favorite memory from all those years is just, I mean, I got to meet so many different people from that and I just made so many friends and I'm so close with all these guys now. And going off on to separate colleges I get to keep some of these ties and I've got one friend going down to Alabama to play football I've got one friend going to Dartmouth one at Samford and so I mean it's just the connections I made with it and the friends I made with it and just being able to celebrate on and off the field with those guys I mean it was that was a really magical experience for me <laughs> the part you said as far as you know uh, looking up to Rob Gronkowski and then getting put on the line man that's <laughs> I, I know so many of my friends back when, you know, 
I think we called it from from Illinois. We called it JFL Junior Football League, where mm-hmm. many of us had like these dreams and these goals of playing specific positions. And yep. then at the start of the season, you know, some of my friends get put on the line or get put at free safety. And in JFL, there's not really going, nothing's going on, at, you know, at free yep. safety other than just kind of watching <laughs> yeah. the game. Um, but yeah. you, you mentioned how you've been able to keep some of those. Uh, same friends as y'all have transitioned from middle school, high school football. I think that is so important for, you know, some of our younger listeners on this podcast, because I always say once an athlete, always an athlete, y'all can always get on the phone and say, Hey man, you know, remember those days, or even as y'all go into, you know, new careers, being able to take bits and pieces how have you seen some of your playing uh, experiences transition or translate into, you know, some of this phase of life that you're in right now? Um, uh, that's a good question. Definitely communication. Um, so that that's definitely a skill that I learned on the field with um, a bunch of these guys. And so, I mean, I can definitely understand now how that translates to outside relationships whether it be family, friends, uh, intimate relationships, anything like that. Uh, communication is definitely something that I learned on the field. And I know how important that is in the real world. Um, and just being able to uh, translate different things, uh, different um, emotions and situations into something that someone else can understand. I think that is a huge skill set that I learned uh, on the football field. Yeah, communication, and and you see it, I see it all the time, too, where, you know, sometimes, you know, coming from the, I used to be in the, the corporate world at one point, and you're seeing so many different things take place, and so many misunderstandings take place, too, because it's just a simple, well, this wasn't communicated with this person, or that wasn't communicated with that person, and so that is... I think when we talk about sports, some of the skill sets that we can take from the sport is communicating. So if you're playing a specific position on the field and you don't, we'll just say, for example, playing cornerback, if, you know, for you've got a receiver that you're guarding and he runs a slant route towards the linebackers and you don't communicate with the linebackers, well, then, you know, something coverage might get um uh, break down and then you know the mm-hmm. guys running for a touchdown so yeah i'm i'm glad to hear that you know specifically that piece of communication that you've been able to take uh with you as you've kind of grown and developed within your own career mm-hmm. um you know i i think when we think about sports we think about uh, some of the uh, injuries and um just different things that, that come with the sport. So concussions are, you know, a common concern in many contact sports, especially football. So can you share with us your personal journey and the pivotal moment when you realize the impact of concussions on your health and well-being? Oh yeah. Um, so my first concussion dates back to sixth grade and that was, that was a real minor one. Um, my, my me and my family we weren't too worried about that um but then in seventh grade I got a pretty major concussion uh it took me out of school for a month um I was at home 
wasn't really supposed to be on screens, wasn't supposed to be really doing anything that was super stimulating for my brain. Um, and I mean, as a, as a young teen, that, that is super difficult not being able to have these interactions with people. And I mean, you feel like you're missing out on a whole lot. And so, I mean, for my mental well-being, that concussion when I was 13, 14 years old, I mean, it seriously messed up the chemical balances in my brain. And I mean, I was, I was down a lot and I was, uh, I mean, super sad and anxiety would kick in a whole lot. And so from that concussion on, I knew that like, okay, if I ever get put into this situation again, like, I mean, that could be, that could be really bad for my mental health. Cause I mean, that, that really did shoot me down a drain. And I mean, it, I am, I am thankful for the person that that produced out of it because it made me so much more conscious of all of this, but in seventh grade that concussion after just like the post like thinking back on it and thinking about it I just really grasped like oh my gosh like it could really affect my brain it can this can affect my learning this can affect all these different things and then um in 10th grade got my third concussion and it was a bad one also and I mean that's why I got glasses it sped up my um an astigmatism in my eye and so that's when I was like, oh, wow, like I, I really cannot afford to get another one because I mean, it's starting to like, like physically, these concussions are breaking me down. So um, seventh grade was definitely the pivotal moment where I was like, okay, I need to be more conscious. I need to be more aware. Like this cannot happen again. It happened again in 10th grade. And so then I just completely took myself out of football. And I mean, that was difficult, but it's because I understood how important my mental health is and my physical health and that I just need to protect it a little bit more than what I was doing. Man, that's fascinating. Just kind of hearing the just levels of how it affected you. Um, I think mm -hmm. it's important to highlight um, for our listeners and viewers who may be involved in sports and don't necessarily know what it feels like to have a concussion. So if you're able to give a little bit more context on when you got your first concussion or your second concussion, what did you actually feel while you were playing the sport? Mm -hmm. So first concussion, first concussion, I really don't even remember. Uh, I remember my buddy, he was, he would tell me, he would be like, yeah, you, you didn't seem like a hundred percent there, but like it didn't last too long. And I mean, I just, I, I don't remember that one at all. But my second one, um, there, I had headaches. I had a lot of headaches. Um, and so this one, I was in a football game and I was playing running back, actually. This was the one game I played running back there, like, give the big boy the ball and let's see what he can do. So <laughs> so I I was running and on, on the outside and I just got, I got nailed by this one dude. And I hit my tailbone. And it was actually, I didn't hit my head. It was whiplash. My head flung back. And that's what gave me my concussion. Um, and I mean, I was just very not aware of my surroundings. Um, it was hard to communicate. It was hard to remember like things I was doing, like in the moment, like my dad would like, 
hey, like, could you come, like, help me move this thing real quick? And I'd be like, yeah, let me go throw shoes on. I'd go throw shoes on. I'd come back out and I'd be like, I don't know why I just put shoes on. And so uh, that and constant headaches. And uh, I mean, it was just slow. Like I couldn't do anything too fast or else everything would start to get jumbled up and I would just get like cooked. Um, I mean, it really is just a strenuous, boring process that I had to go through. So I'm assuming with that as well, there were, and maybe you've talked about it offline, but were there any type of um, academic uh, issues that, that made it more difficult for you when you were going through this process of recovering from the concussion? Oh, yeah. Uh, so in seventh grade, I, I missed that month of school and I came back and I, I had to make up uh, I didn't, they said I had to make up all the work, but my teachers, they were, they were great. And they helped speed me through that process. I did not have to make up nearly all that work. Um, I would have to take tests and stuff, but they would help me out and I would get certain help because I was that far behind. And even, even coming back, I still had this concussion. So like, I couldn't like my functioning, my cognitive function was just like still a little so I got I got very great assistance and very well caught up through the school system. But I mean, it did take I mean, I think it took like three to four months for me to like, uh, like completely heal and to completely be academically where I was before that concussion. And same thing in 10th grade. I had to go through that exact same process. I got a plan through my high school that like would allow me to work slower and like I could take tests up to like a month after they were given. Um, and so, I mean, that was my school was so, so fantastic about the whole process. And I'm very thankful for that because, I mean, if they weren't and if I actually had to like do like literally everything with not that much help and no plans helping me, then I, I would not be academically where I am today. So I think that that their patience and their willingness to help. I mean, that was fantastic getting me to where I am. The fact that you had so many folks around you that were open to assisting you through this journey is uh, a thing to point out because I sometimes imagine and wonder how many athletes that are in contact sports that may have some type of cognitive issue. Is it actually from their concussion that they may not have known about and mm -hmm. it's affecting them in the classroom or if it's if it is it something else going on and so I think that when we talk about concussions it's so important as far as the awareness because it can just based off of the information that you just mentioned as far as your story and going through this process that you had people that were around you that basically guided you through this process so you weren't alone whereas there are some athletes out there that may not be in school systems that have that type of um, accommodation that is allows them to heal through this process and I think about it too from the standpoint of you know there are times when concussions happen and it's like oh take a week off and then get back in it <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's like, wait a minute here. If somebody pulled their hamstring, 
you know, we take our time with that because you have to run. But in sports, you still have to think. You have to be cognitively in the game. And Mm -hmm. so I'm so glad that, you know, that experience has not only taught you about yourself, but it highlights the importance of giving athletes support once they do go through some type of experience like that. So I I think when we were talking off air, you kind of told me about stepping away from the sport of football. Um, What did you do once you stepped away? Because I'm sure that was difficult, especially from an emotional side of things, stepping away from a sport that you were passionate about and that you loved. Um, So tell us about what that process was from stepping away from football and then trying to figure out what the next thing was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, stepping away from football was a very, very, very difficult decision. Um, I remember, um, I, so with my concussion, I couldn't drive, uh, cause I mean, I, it's probably some sort of danger out there, me driving with that. Uh, so my mom, she took me to the high school and I went to go talk to the, uh, head coach and the offensive coordinator. I told him like, I, I can't continue to do football with like my mental health and my physical health being at risk at this point. And I just remember just like, it felt like the world beneath me had just dropped. Cause I mean, as a, as a young teen and I mean, like my hormones are everywhere and I'm growing up and it's a big period in your life, a big growth period in your life. I had invested so much time into football and that was really all I knew um, about myself. And so stepping away from football, I knew that was good for my overall health, but emotionally it was very sad and I did not know what to do with myself. I remember I would come home and I would just be like, wow, like I, I like, I'm not invested in anything. I remember thinking like, I mean, I, I don't I don't have any value. Like, I mean, all my value was I put all my value into football. And obviously people around me, they they didn't they didn't see that. They saw me for who I was, but in my mind, all I knew was like I'm a football player and that that that's where I put all my time. So watching the football games online and just like coming home and doing nothing, wow, like I mean that that shot me that shot me far down into a a depression and it was a really sad period of time for me. Um, but I, I went and got lunch with one friend of mine who he was thinking about quitting football at the time. He was a really good football player. And I remember we were talking and he told me, he was like, you, you have your world open now. He was like, you just lost something that took so much of your time. And he was like, what you don't understand and what you need to understand is that you have time to do anything that you want. And he told me, he was like, I remember this one line sticks in my head. We were in his truck. We were sitting in my driveway. And he was like, he was like, for, for all you know, he was like, you could get shredded. Like you could, you could get into the weight room and you can start lifting weights and you can just stick to that. And that line stuck so hard with me because I was like, I really can do that now. And so from there on, I, once I started healing correctly, I got into the weight room. I lost 45 pounds, which I was, I was amazed with myself. I mean, I would look in the mirror and just be like, awesome. But I lost 45 pounds, helped 
so much. That helped tremendously. And that's, that's something I put my value in. And then another thing is, um, I, I was like, all right, well, like, I want to, I want to be able to do something now, like something with a team. And so I joined the, the track team. I did shot putt and I wasn't amazing at it, but I mean, it was, it was something I could put my time into. So that, and that and weightlifting, I mean, those were two big things that helped me break back out and helped me like fully understand like, okay, like I'm, I'm more than just an athlete. Uh, I'm more than just someone that can put their time into sports and be good at sports. And like, that's all I know, like a meathead. Like I, I am my own individual and um, I mean, quitting football and branching out and doing other things really helped me understand that. Man, there's so much in what you just said. And I think the thing that impresses me and excites me is your friend gave you and and the thing is like we go through some of these things and we're just like man you know what I, I don't want to play sports anymore I don't want to do anything anymore this is where your network the the people that you're around the circle that you're in can be so influential to your overall development healing growth and the fact that your friend said you have the whole world you can do anything that right there is powerful because I say this to people that I'm around sometimes and some of the younger people that I mentor is your friends will dictate your future. And so if you're around the wrong people, inevitably you're most times, more times than not, you're going to go the wrong direction. But if you're around people, it's kind of like that iron sharpens iron mentality. More than likely you'll get out of whatever you're going through or you'll find different perspective on things. And the other point that you mentioned is your identity was tied in football. And it sounds like that was where you got your, um, maybe maybe this might not be the right word, but your validation, your worth from yes. football, because it's so performative. And you know when you get a first down, what happens? Everybody claps. When you get a tackle, everybody claps. Touchdown, everybody claps. But you fumble the ball, everybody's like, oh. You know, if if you miss a tackle, everybody's uh, so as young athletes, we are in these sports and it's so performative that it has such an impact on how what we view validation and self-worth. So I'm I'm encouraged that you were able to see yourself, as you put it, more than an athlete, that you had more value to provide the world. And, And I think even athletes now, whether, you know, middle school, high school, collegiate or professional, leaving a sport can sometimes be damaging to one's mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, So going into that direction, um, I I know we talked about a a little bit about you uh, going to therapy. And I'm curious to know what you've learned about yourself through therapy and how has therapy helped you navigate stressful or dark times as a high school or college student? Yeah. Um, So, I mean, right there, along with what I just said about like knowing my value and knowing my personal identity, first going into therapy and I I started, I started uh, right during that second concussion so in seventh grade I was super 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 stubborn 
and I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to talk to this lady. Like I, I'm keeping this to myself. I don't trust you. Like all this stuff. And I'm sure, I'm sure a young teen, like, obviously you're going to be like that. But as I grew up and as I continued to go, I would share more and more and more. And I mean, it really did take me like that third concussion in 10th grade to fully just be like, all right, you know what? Here, here's everything. I'm not, I'm going to not going to hide anything from you because I understand that you can truly help me and help me flourish as a human being. And so 10th grade, when I started working out and I started gaining my self-confidence back, my therapist and just going to therapy really, really, really helped me be okay with the person that I am. It helped me understand that, yes, I have flaws, uh, but I, ca I can work on those flaws, but those flaws aren't going to hold me back from the world. It, like, it helped me understand that me being the human that I am is okay to make mistakes, and it's okay to, I mean, it's okay to do certain things and understand, okay, that might not have been the best idea, but I'm going to grow and I'm going to get better. So just... Oh, finding my identity was the most helpful thing that therapy brought me. And as a, as a, as a, uh, well, in high school, you've got your cliques and I mean, everyone's trying to fit in to be a, a certain person and you find all these kids being someone that they're not because they want to be friends with people like I'm guilty. I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. And like growing up, I would be like, man, like I really, I really want to hang with these guys. Like they're pretty cool. And so I like try to, I try to change a little bit and I try to fit in with them. But going to therapy, it made me understand like, if me as myself is not good enough for these people to want to be friends with me, then there's no reason for me to be friends with them. Like, yeah, you can be acquaintances and there's no reason to be mean to them. But like, if y'all aren't going to be friends, y'all aren't going to be friends. There's no reason to force that. And it made me, I mean, it made me appreciate my homies so much more because like they put up with me, they put up with all my crap. And I, I know sometimes I can be a little out there. I can be a little crazy. And it just made me appreciate life as it is so much more than having to like fake my way through life. I think that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> Man, you're preaching there. There are so many things that you hit on. Just being able to be okay with who you are. Mm -hmm. And so often in our society, we are given messages that we have to be somebody else in order to be validated, appreciated, seen, heard, loved. Mm -hmm. And you can see it. There are so many people out there being things that they are not. Mm -hmm. So this fact that you have been able to grow into who you are as a person and be comfortable in your own skin. I give you my, I'm giving you your flowers right now because there are so many people at your age that are like, well, you know, let me let me do this to attract this partner or let me do this. So, you know, some of my guy friends can just like really like me and, and appreciate me being around. But how happy are people having to put on this front or put on this mask yeah. to try to fit in? Mm -hmm. 
and I can't remember what song it was. I want I, I don't know who the artist was, but he's like, I rather I rather fit out than to fit into this mold that society thinks I should be. Mm. And that reminded me everything that you just said there, that reminds me of that. And man, I, I have goosebumps just because as you were talking, and of course, me being in the mental health space as a marriage and family therapy intern, these are the things that we talk about in therapy. You know, what do you want for yourself? Yeah. What do you ultimately want want to who do you ultimately want to be? And if you decide to have kids one day, who do you want your kids to look up to? The real yeah. you or the mask that you're putting on to please everybody else? Yeah. Or the mask that you're putting on to keep up with the Joneses? It's not healthy and inevitably that mask or that facade eventually crumbles and then you're just kind of left in a corner and you're like, wow, like where are all my friends? Mm -hmm. Curious to know from you going to therapy, how do you, how have you seen it influence or have you seen it influence any of the friends or any of the circles that you're in now? I mean, I've definitely seen it influence uh, my intimate relationships, my family relationships, my friendships, um, my, my friendships me it's it's crazy it's crazy you would think that like you putting on that that facade you putting on this this fake mask and trying to be friends with these people you'd be like oh, okay like you're you're gonna be friends with everyone like if you try and accommodate to everyone me just like being who i am and just being the person that i want and like enjoy to be has made me friends with so many people and not just like trying to fake and like be friends with like these people or just these people just being, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a friendly person. And so just being a friendly person has opened up my world to so many different people. And like those clicks in high school, you got your, your cool kid. And I mean, you got your nerdier kids, like all that, all that, that whole spectrum and just being a friendly person. I mean, you can be friends with anyone on that spectrum and everyone likes you. And it's not like a, a people pleasing type thing. It's just you being you and you're going to attract people that you never thought you would attract. And so, I mean, for me, just being myself has made me friends with so many more people rather than just being trying to be friends with a certain group of people. Um, my family relationships. I mean, it's definitely, I, I've got three older sisters and I'm super close with one of them. And so just me naturally being super close with one of them, uh, I, I would kind of shield out the other two, which is not a good thing at all. But as, as I've grown up and as I've like, kind of, I've matured and I've understood like, okay, like that's probably a bad thing. It's made me more open to my two others. I love, I love all three of my sisters, but it's made me more open to them. And, uh, I'll go and I'll hang out with them and I'll do different things with them and not just this one sister. So it just, it opened you up to a whole new world. And, and you said something about like putting on like a, a certain mask for like your, your spouse. And oh my gosh, I, as, as a, as a teenage guy, I'll be honest, I'd see a pretty girl and I'd be like, okay, like I want to, I want to go talk to her. Like I gotta, I gotta put my A game on. Like I gotta <laughs> go up and I gotta, 
hit it out of the park with her. And so I, I'd go up and I'd, I'd put on this facade and it wouldn't work. And I'd be like, oh, man. But if you're just yourself, like, like what if what if that was a horrible person and you just attracted them by being a fake person? And like now, like you're dating for marriage. You, you don't want that to be the mother, you know, mm-hmm. like if they're a yeah. bad person. So you just if you're just yourself and you attract people that you genuinely love around you, your life is going to be 10 times better. Man, you sure you don't want to become a motivational speaker? <laughs> <laughs> thought about it, thought about it. <laughs> because you're you're just, I mean, you, your microphone's on fire right now, man. And <laughs> because you you go back to kind of high school. And I, w- I was with you. I mean, I, I feel everything that you're saying because same for me, you know, high school. Just like, hey, you go up to a girl and it's like, ah, oh, it didn't go the way we wanted it to be. And so... That there happens to so many people. I, I, I mean, I see it even today. But the thing is, of course, being in the mental health space of marriage and family therapy, you start seeing the people who are actually genuinely connected, interested, and love each other. And then the people that are just with each other just because. You know, there's other folks that are just staying together for the kids. And unfortunately, that affects the children as well. I mean, that because kids aren't dumb, kids are very aware of things that are going yeah. on. And so being able to heal yourself to create, and I call it generational healing, because so many of us, either whether it be through school, we've had bad examples, whether we've seen coaches that were bad examples and we've had traumatic experiences or getting rejected. How do you come back from that? And being able to go to therapy, which I applaud you for that, especially in this day and age where mental health for men is there's just such a stigma for us to go to therapy, for you to continue your journey of healing. One, I I appreciate that and I love that. But secondly, if you do decide to have kids one day, it's like, wow, like my dad's awesome. Like I don't have to worry about him faking or whatever it may be. But the other point you said, you, you also have been able to get yourself to a point or heal enough to where you have this wide spectrum of people that you can connect with, that you can be friends with. And all of that stemmed from you healing and showing up as a friendly, loving person. And I can hear all of those things as you speak, just the genuine love, curiosity, excitement that you have for people in life. And I think if people went through their lives having that type of mindset to where it's just like, you know what, we have differences, but I love you. Hey, we have differences, but I'm happy. I want to connect with you. Because we do all have our differences. We all have, for lack of better words, we have baggage. But can we put those things, set those things aside and genuinely just be curious about the other person on the other side of the conversation? Once we do that, the whole dynamic shifts. And you're like, wow, there are so many amazing, awesome, cool people out there in the world. And then the last piece you hit, which I think this is fascinating, is your healing and going through therapy. You've been able to see it impact your family in a positive way or the interactions that you've you've had in a positive way. And it's just like everybody, it should be 
I, I wish we could do this, but we can't. I wish we could make <laughs> therapy mandatory for everybody because yeah. we all want to be happy. We all want to have flourishing relationships, whether they're platonic or romantic. We all want to have genuine relationships. And mm. so, man, I we could probably talk for two hours just about that piece there that you just talked about. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just cannot thank you enough for one, being vulnerable and sharing those things, because I think there are people out there that are like, man, like, I don't have very good relationships. This relationship's not healthy. Oh, I want to have stronger relationships with my siblings or my parents or whatever the case may be. Many people want that, but it's like, how do you take the first step to do those things? Yeah. Where do you see yourself as you continue your journey? of growing and healing where do you see yourself 5 10 15 years from now for me i'm majoring in nursing and the reason for me majoring in nursing is because i want to see like a direct impact of me healing someone else and for for me like therapy that's another thing like i was also super interested in going into therapy because just being able to see people grow mentally is just I think that is a very beautiful thing. And so being able to heal people physically and mentally as a nurse, I think that that's a lovely thing. And that's something that I want to be. And so I want to, I want to be a nurse. Uh, I'm into uh, competitive powerlifting. So hopefully just flourishing in that aspect. And I mean, have, having a family, wife and kids, I just, I would love that. And that's a big thing for me. I want my kids to be able to, to look up to me and be like, like, cause I look up to my dad like that. Like I see him and I'm like, he is a man. If I've ever seen one, like he's not, he's not macho or anything. Like you think of a typical man, you think of a guy that goes cuts logs, like all this stuff. My dad's not that macho, but he is so in tune with himself. And I, I just think that that is a beautiful thing for a man to have is just to be able to be in tune with himself and lead his family onto better things in life. And I think he's done a great job with me and my siblings. And I just, that that's how I want to be as a father. And so that's where hopefully I see myself. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And, and I love it. Just having that positive male influence um, mm -hmm. on you. And, and I could, I could see it, man. Like this conversation everything that you're speaking about, the positive light and the energy you have, I can tell that you're guided in such a great way and you've got people around you that love you, care about you, and that ultimately want to see you become successful. And so that is that is amazing, man. So as we wrap up the conversation today, um, and we talked about it a little bit, but mental health stigma is still present in many fields, including in male sports. So what advice would you give other athletes who may be afraid to either go to therapy or talk to their coaches? Because, you know, there are some athletes that don't want to speak up about mental health because of the consequences that may come from it. That could be coaches, you know, cutting playing time or thinking that this athlete or that athlete isn't mentally in tune to be in a game, or it can just come from general 
the general society saying, well, this athlete is weak. So what advice would you, would you give an athlete that is maybe going through their own struggles and, and wanting to seek out mental help? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, a few things. So the more that you delay it, the longer it is going to take for you to fix this situation. So if you say you get it at the beginning of your season and you're like, I'm, I am not going to say a word about it. You go through summer training, you go through all, all, all like halfway through fall. And this, this mental health is dragging you down and you are not able to perform and you're not able to perform in your entire life. If you are not okay mentally, you won't be able to connect with people. You won't be able to perform in your sport as you want. You might think that you are, but if you are mentally in tune and mentally healthier, then you are going to perform so much better. And ah, it's it, it really is so frustrating that there's such a stigma around it. And if you go to therapy and if you have all these emotions, then you are a weak man. But men when we go through these uh these highs and lows if we can have a support system for our lows then we you'll you'll be 10 times better in life and you'll be healthier overall and it's something that people don't grasp and they think that i i have to go through this alone because because like no one needs to know what i'm going through like i'm going to be a weak man and no one's going to no one's going to support me if you reach out to like, I mean, people that you're super close with, whether it's like, I mean, your spouse, your significant other, anyone in your family, your, your close, like homeboys, your friends, like, I mean, they're going to want to help you because I mean, at the end of the day, if you're worried like about your playing time or anything, if you go up to a coach and you tell them that like, you're going through something mentally and like you need help and like all this stuff. And if, if they tell you, they're like, like, all right, well, we're, we're not going to play you because of this, that, okay. It depends if they don't play you. Cause like, okay, yeah, you really need help. Then that's understandable. But if they're like, we're not going to play you because we don't think that you're a strong enough player. You don't, you don't need to be playing for them. And that's, that's a really hard thing to grasp. And even, even if I was in football, I'd probably be like, okay, okay yeah, whatever. But if if you, people are not there to support you, I'm a big believer you should not be there. Whatever the situation is, if I mean friend groups, if they're not there to support you, you don't need to be with them. And I mean that's a big thing that I think of. And and another thing is if you if you let it get so bad, if you're having suicidal ideations, if you are not wanting to get out of bed and not want to do any of these things, it is better for you to seek help and you continue next season than you to not even have a next season and you not be there for anyone. And I just, it's a horrible thing seeing, seeing what some men go through and knowing if they, if they had the proper help, what they could have. And it, it really is sad, but something that needs to be talked about. Envisioning a life or kind of what you said, if you get the help, just imagine what you could have. Yeah. Wow. And you start thinking about those things and you start thinking about the healing that not only you, but the people around you can have. Mm -hmm. And going back to your point, 
if a coach comes down on you for having mental health uh, struggles, we'll just say if you've lost a parent or you lost a friend or depressed, there's anxiety going on, and they penalize you for that, you shouldn't play for that coach. So ultimately, it's go where you are wanted, respected, heard, seen, and appreciated. Yeah. And far too often, the more and more we suppress these emotions and these thoughts, unfortunately, others that may have gone through our similar situations can't have or don't hear, okay, this is what you need to do. This may be a positive way of going about seeking help there's just so many things that can come out of just having a conversation and so jack for you to again be vulnerable discussing this topic and being vulnerable and transparent about your experiences playing ball and having to pivot to a different sport and for you to be vulnerable discussing how your life has been impacted with everything that we've discussed today. I just give you your flowers, man. I appreciate you. Uh, I genuinely hope that somebody can gain some type of positive perspective or can see the light at the end of the tunnel just because of this conversation, because it was so powerful. Jack, I think you're a motivational speaker. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thank you. But Again, I I cannot thank you enough for, for having this conversation today. Of course, yeah. I'm so happy to do this. Yeah. So with that being said, for our viewers and listeners, we appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Coats in Conversation. Be sure to like and subscribe. You can find all Coats in Conversation podcast episodes on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. If you find this episode to be beneficial, or if you know of somebody that can benefit from this episode, we ask you to share it with them because this conversation about mental health, we need to continue to have this conversation to help others. So again, we appreciate you tuning into Coats and Conversation. 